Hi, I'm Sonia Jean Killebrew, and this is Black America and COVID, an oral history project. I started this project during Black History Month of 2022 because I wanted to provide a platform for Black Americans to share their stories about living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. I also wanted to provide a space for people to memorialize someone who is a Black American who sadly lost their life during the COVID-19 pandemic. I was inspired by the work of Zora Neale Hurston, author and anthropologist, to record the experiences of Black Americans in their own voices. My goal is to get my recordings into museums, such as the Smithsonian Museum of African American History and Culture, or the Schomburg, or the Library of Congress's Folklife Museum. I'll share a little bit about me and my family history, and then I'll speak to my guests. I'm a Black American. My dad was African American and Indigenous American. His ancestors were enslaved in Georgia. In fact, we still have our family's slave name, which is Kilbrew. My dad, Dr. Terrence Kilbrew, met my mom in graduate school at the New School in New York when they were both earning their master's degrees in psychology. And I'm a fourth generation teacher. So my mother is a retired New York City teacher. My grandmother was a teacher on the island of Jamaica for 20 years and then in New York for 20 years. My great-grandmother was a teacher in Jamaica up until she got married. She was the daughter of an Irish woman and a black man. She stopped working after she got married because it wasn't considered respectable for a married woman to continue working in the late 1800s. And ironically, my mother began teaching long after she got married in the late 1900s. So, without further ado, I'm excited to speak with my guest today. Michael Singleton, and I live in New York City. <laughs> and I'm from Queens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, me yeah. too. <laughs> from Queens. Uh, but I live in Manhattan now. And what's your ancestry? I'm going to say African-American, mm -hmm. right? Um, black. But mom's from Augusta, Georgia. Dad is from North Carolina. Mm. So, you know, black. Yeah. <laughs> and... I'd love to hear you share about what it was like for you living and are working in 2020 and 2021 during the pandemic. Um, it was interesting. You know, I, um, you know what, let me turn the camera off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Let me turn the camera off so I could, kind of want to feel like I'm being interviewed I want, yeah. to be able to, I want to be able to talk candidly. Yeah. Uh, do you prefer my camera on or off? Like, or it, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't matter. 
I just, I know for me, like, there we go. So it gives me an opportunity to really talk candidly um, instead of looking at myself. Yeah. So it's interesting about my experience because I just lost a really good friend of mine uh, last week. Sorry. And, you know, it's interesting. It, It was like, you know, at the start of the pandemic, I'm probably one of the biggest hypochondriacs. <laughs> so, so you can imagine, you know, uh, what it was like for me uh, when it first started. I, like everyone else, or I can't say everyone else, but it wasn't apparent to me how serious it was in the beginning because I was listening to people Mm. and you know these people were like oh it's just like the flu and it's you know it's it's it won't last and it's not serious and so I was still going out and hanging out in the beginning and when we first went into lockdown, I knew how serious it was. I felt how serious it was. And I actually had uh, a roommate living with me. She was an NYU student and she was renting one of the bedrooms here. And I just remember she, her family was from Hawaii. She was like, I'm out. (laughs) Like the first month she was like, oh, I don't feel comfortable. I'm out. So she left, she, she got on the next plane smoking. And so then I was alone, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't realize how lonely you are until you're alone and you can't be amongst people. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the long and short of it was uh, a woman had came to the U.S. from Kazakhstan and she thought she had a place to stay, but she didn't. Mm -hmm. And so by the time she got here in the middle of a pandemic, she realized she didn't have a place to stay. And so a friend of mine who actually owned this apartment that I was subleasing it from, he said, listen, do you mind if she rents out the spare bedroom that the NYU student had left behind? And, you know, at the time I was like, I don't know, you know, I don't know this person. And, you know, I really didn't want anyone in the house with me, Mm -hmm. let alone anyone going out interacting with other people and then coming back home like my fear was you know she might bring COVID back right and so she ended up coming here I met with her my friend met with her um she I don't know her and my her and the guy who actually uh 
own the apartment. I don't know what happened between them. There was like an interaction. From what I understand, they had words. I don't know, right? I just know she just opted out of staying here, which was cool. I was like, all right, better for me, right? So she left and she ended up moving to Brooklyn for like two weeks. She went on a, a, a trip to Texas. Mm-hmm. And while she was in Texas, on her way back, she realized that she wouldn't be able to go back to the place that she was staying at because the person who she was uh, renting the room from was like, hey, you've been in Texas for a few weeks. You either have to quarantine for two weeks before you come back here. And this was before they even had COVID tests, right? Like it was like, so it was confusing because, you know, you got to quarantine for two weeks and hopefully you don't have any symptoms. And so now she flew back to New York expecting to go back to Brooklyn where she was staying and now she couldn't stay where she was at. And so she ended up calling me and I said, sure. You know, I do have a place to stay for you if you'd like. But I said, where are you? And actually, you know what? I'm sorry. Let me let me backtrack. So I actually I had put her into a hotel. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have that favor because for some reason, I don't know what it was, but I don't know. It's like her credit card or something. Since it was international, it wasn't working. So I ended up putting this into a hotel. And then from there, she was going to come back to stay with me. But I was like, listen, I'm freaking out, right? I don't want to be in New York. Do you want to go to the Hamptons? Mm. And she said, Hell yes, right? She's like, I've never been to the Hamptons. I've always heard about the Hamptons. I would love to go to the Hamptons. So I said, I will rent a car. And she was already, remember, she already had her bags packed because she had just got back in from Texas. Mm -hmm. So I went and I picked her up from the hotel and we drove to the Hamptons and we spent uh, two weeks in the Hamptons and then... No, I'm sorry, we spent the, well, I mean, it's the same thing in Hampton. We spent two weeks in East Hampton and then a week in Montauk. And that was like the beginning of our journey together. And we got back to New York City and she, you know, she stayed here um, in her room. I stayed in my room and we became really close friends. She was a nutritionist. She explained to me about diet and exercise and how that influences the immune system and, you know, things that I could do to strengthen my immune system because we were in a pandemic, uh, things that I should eliminate from my life. 
and she would cook these really healthy meals and we would sit at the dinner table and we would talk and we would have like these really long intimate conversations and I really got to know her she got to know me and I would say listen let's go to Boston and she would say let's do it and then we would pack our bags and we would go on a road trip to Boston and we would hang out in Boston and we would go sightseeing. We would have dinners. Um, and then we would come back to New York city. And she'd work, I would work. And then I would say, where to next? And we would pick places mm. and we would go see them and then I don't know it's weird it so I remember that song by that R&B group and let me remember the name but it was don't go chasing waterfall TLC, TLC. and so I, I I develop an affinity for waterfalls and so what I would do is I would google uh, best waterfalls to see. And then I would say, hey, let's go check this out. And so we would pack our bags and we would go visit these waterfalls and we would walk through nature. Mm. And I developed an appreciation for nature. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first, the first uh, waterfall we went to see, I believe it was Bishbash. It was called Bishbash Falls. And it was like a hike, right? Like it was a hike walking through this place. And when we came out of it, we were walking out. She took the time to hug every tree. And I was furious, right? Cause I'm like this man, right? I'm like, okay, I got places to go. I got people to see and you want to hug every tree. And I'm like, come on, let's, let's go. And she's like, slow down. She's like, you know, what are you, in a hurry for? Why are you so much in a rush? And I realized she was right. Right? Like at the end of the day, for me, it's like we're human beings and we're wired to just not take the time to notice certain things. Right? And to appreciate nature, to appreciate um, trees, to appreciate flowers, to appreciate the air, to appreciate God's wonder, right? Like God's creation. A lot of us, we don't take the time out. I remember there was one time when I, 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 I was, I was, I was, uh, I was self-employed, I was working for myself. And I remember there was a client of mine who owed me a lot of money. And I remember a whole day I would call this guy, call him, call him, call him. And it would go straight to, it would go straight to voicemail. And then one day 
I called them for like my whole morning. And then I finally was like, all right, forget it. I kind of let it go, but I was still upset. And I go out and I'm dating myself because I was trying to get a token for the train, <laughs> right? And the train is coming and the MTA worker is taking his sweet time. And I'm like, come on, hurry. You know, I'm, I'm trying to rush him, but he, he's not rushing. And I get my token. I put my token in and I miss the train. Oh. And I'm pissed. I mean, I am super pissed. And I just remember coming outside and calling my friend and I'm like, I can't believe it. Ah, I missed the train. And I, I'm just like, you know, just angry and I'm irate and I'm, and I'm just telling him how mad I am. And he, and he says, are you finished yet? I said, yeah. He said, Mike, there's another train coming. Mm. And I was like, you're right. And for me, it was a lesson for me because it's like, slow down. Mm -hmm. Right? What's the rush? There's another train coming. Mm. Why get yourself all worked up? And that's what her name was Delara. That's what Delara taught me. Delara taught me that there was another train coming. Mm. Wow. And after that, we would go to these waterfalls and I would, <laughs> I would hug the trees with her. Oh, you did? Right, yeah, I started, I started hugging the trees with her because she was, she was really keen on that. She was keen on gratitude. She was keen on thanking the trees for oxygen, right? Mm. Um, and every time we would leave anywhere, I mean, seriously, like anytime we would leave anywhere, she would always say, have a seat. Let's talk. Mm. And then she would thank everything in the place where we would stay at. And then we would leave. And I just remember looking at her like this amazing being, right? With a beautiful soul. Mm. And we would come back to New York City. She would work, I would work. She'd make dinner. We'd have these conversations. And then I would say, hey, where to next? Mm -hmm. And we would travel again. And I just remember, I mean, we were all over. We would go to Saratoga. Um, we spent some time in Saratoga. That was fun. I, uh, I visited a guy who had passed away, not due to COVID, but he just, he had passed away. And, I, you know, he was a guy who, and I, I would like to mention him as well. His name is Tom Dillon. Mm. Tom Dillon was uh, the top 100 chefs in the country. I met Tom, excuse me, when I was 18 years old, I was an African-American 
teenager who lived in Jamaica, Queens. Tom gave me an opportunity to learn the restaurant business. Mm -hmm. He offered me an opportunity to come move into an apartment in Southampton with his wife and his two kids. He would put me through school and I would learn how to run my own restaurant. And I had never been back to see him since I was 18. And I'm, you know, I'm 44 now. And at the time I was, that was like uh, when I was 42, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, 43. And well, no, not last year. It was in 2020. And I was like, I would really love to go see Tom's family. And so I ended up going up there and we went to a place called Hamlet and Ghost. His sons actually owned it. And we just got to, you know, share some memories. You know, I went up there with Delara and I was like, your father really, really changed my life. Mm. You know, uh, Tom would, I mean, I, like I said, I was 18 years old. I lived in Jamaica, Queens, right? Like I, you know, I didn't even know what the Hamptons were at the time. Right. I had no idea, right? Like, I was like, what, what is the Hamptons? And, you know, I just remember he, he, and he would drive me around to these houses, right? That were like millions of dollars. I mean, they were huge, nothing that I had ever seen. They looked like castles to me when I was 18. And he would tell me that there is no different from the people who live in these houses than you. He was like, you know, if you work hard, then you can have a home like this. And he mm -hmm. took me to Russell Simmons home. And he was like, you know, cause Russell Simmons, he was a guy from my neighborhood. He's like, listen, like Russell Simmons is actually a guy from your neighborhood, right? And I just remember like coming back home and just being so inspired by that man and you know, he mentored me throughout the years, you know, I would call him and I would ask him for his advice and he never not took my phone call, you know, and, and I, I've always appreciated Tom for that. And I mean, we had the best time in Saratoga. And so, I, you know, we came back to New York and, you know, the traveling went on, right. The traveling went on, um, at the time, uh, my father had caught COVID, oh. his wife caught COVID, and it was scary. You know, they were in that age range that, you know, a lot of people that age, they weren't making it. Uh, my father, his symptoms were very, um, they weren't severe. They were mild symptoms. He was sick for around a week. After a week, he was, you know, painting the house. Mm -hmm. um, his wife, on the other hand, she was in the hospital for a month and a half. Oh, wow. On and off oxygen. Um, they didn't think she was going to make it. It just so happened she worked at the same hospital for 40 years. So... You know, I think she was just in great care. 
um, with people around her. She might have felt the love, you know, and she she made it through. Thank goodness. You know, um, and so, you know, there are some people who I remember, you know, that didn't make it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very scary. Mm-hmm. Um, because you would see somebody on a Monday and then, you know, Thursday, they're like, hey, he's not here with us anymore. And, mm-hmm. you know, you didn't know what to believe. I mean, you turn on this station, they were saying this. You turn on this station, they were saying that. You turn on, you know, you log on to this website, they're saying this. You log on to that website, they're saying this. So it's like, you know, you're getting all of this information and you're not, you don't know. Excuse mm-hmm. me, you don't know what to believe anymore. And so me and Delara, we kind of created our own little bubble where we just decided to stay away from the news cycle because she had her own opinions and I had my own opinions. <laughs> I got to tell you, they would clash sometimes, right? And so we just said, hey, you know what? Let's just stop having these conversations. And so we would focus on things that we enjoy and I I remember at one point I just I was like I don't ever want to be afraid to come outside mm-hmm. right and I just remember taking like these trips and going places and visiting people and seeing how other people lived. And, you know, it was probably, you know, it was the best of times and the worst of times for people. Right. Mm. Um, I didn't get to see my friends or family. Right. Like Christmas, we're on Zoom. Right. Thanksgiving, we're having Zoom Thanksgiving dinner. Right. Um, And so it was painful. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you're having you're having dinner with somebody over Zoom. Right. You're trying to watch a movie with somebody, you know, uh, over Zoom. Right. I mean, so it was just like, you know, it, it was just one of those moments where, you know, I was anxiety ridden. Yeah. I knew I, I, I could not live like that. Yeah. Right. And I didn't know how long it was going to go on. Right. Cause we all were like, okay, 30 days. We were like, okay, great. Right. Then 60 days we were like, oh, okay, wait a minute. Then we were like 90 days. Then we were like, Hey man. <laughs> right. Then he was like, okay, another 30. So we were like, Dude, it's four months already. Right. And then six months and then eight months. And then now it's like a year and you're like, I can't believe this has been going on for a year. And at one point I decided to move to Florida. I was like, Florida's got the goods, man. They're open, open, no mass, beaches, sun, I'm out of here. So I packed up my things. I moved to Florida. Delara, she had went back home by then, you know, to okay. go take care of some visa stuff. 
Okay. So I'm in Florida by myself. I'm partying it up. I'm on the beaches. I'm playing golf. And I go to see my friend. He's DJing one night. And I walk into this place and a little voice whispers to me, Mike, this really looks unsafe for you. Mm. And there was like this cute girl. She winks at me. I wink at her. I walk in. I don't listen to that voice. I have my mask on. And a friend of mine says, hey, can you drop me and my girlfriend off? I say, okay, great. After the party is over, she sits in the front seat. He sits in the back seat. He has his mask on. She doesn't have a mask on. I don't have a mask on. And the next day I woke up with the sniffles. And then I didn't really pay it in too much. You know, I didn't really pay it too much attention. I just thought, oh, it's just the sniffles. And then that night I had a cough. And then the next day, the cough got worse. Mm -hmm. Didn't really have a fever, but the coughing got worse. And I felt like crap. I felt like I was gonna pass out at any moment. And I decided to come back to New York just in case. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't sure. I was like, listen, if anything happens, I didn't want to be in Florida. I wanted to be in my home state. And I came back to New York. Uh, I felt better after like four days, but I still, I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up going to the emergency room, which is right around the corner from me. And I tested positive for COVID. Mm-hmm. And I was devastated, mm-hmm. right? I was scared. I didn't know what to do. I told my parents they were scared because they didn't know what to do. I had, you know, I, we lost a few people in our family. So that was the thing about COVID because you just, you didn't know which way it would go, right? You didn't know which way it would turn. Mm-hmm. Um. Back then, they would call you every day to check on you. And that was like the worst feeling, especially if you're somebody who suffers from anxiety, right? Because you're getting a call from like these people who are like, hey, how's your breathing? How's this? How's that? Are your lips turning blue? And yeah, all this stuff for like two weeks. So then after two weeks, you're able to come out of quarantine. I went to my doctor. I took another COVID test. The test came back positive again. Mm. So I was like, ah, you know, I'm just like, I want this stuff out of my body. Right. And I began to go on walks again. And I began to go on hikes. And then finally I went back to the doctor and um, I tested negative. I was very grateful. And at the time that I had tested positive and I had moved to Florida and Delara, she was gonna meet me in Florida. Mm-hmm. That was the plan. She was gonna, she wanted to move to Florida too as well. And she called me and says, Hey, I have breast cancer. 
And I said, well, what did the doctor say? She said they insisted on chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, so what's next? And she said, well, we're going to, I have to see two more specialists. So I said, okay. And that was that. She was doing her treatment. She was telling me that she was doing her treatment. So that was cool. And, you know, we would talk and she stayed in Kazakhstan. And then she says, hey, I'm coming to the U.S. Mm. Coming to see you. So I was like, great. So she came back, but she didn't come back here with me. She went to Florida because I had came back to Florida by then. So she went to Florida, stayed in Florida for a while. And then she went to Texas and stayed in Texas for a while. And then she ended up coming back here. Mm-hmm. And she stayed with me. We traveled some again. And then January, she had came back to stay with me. And everything was fine. You know, we would go out. We didn't travel, but, you know, we would go out. And February comes, and I I noticed she said that she was going to go home soon. She wasn't sure when she was going to go home, but she said she definitely had, she had to go home because her visa was about to expire and she had to go renew it. But she developed a cough. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like the way the cough sound. So I said, hey, listen, let me take you to the doctor. And, you know, she was like, she didn't want to go to the doctor because it was too expensive. She didn't have insurance here. Uh, uh, I called Sloan Kettering. Sloan Kettering was like, hey, it's going to take $5,000 for you to just meet with the specialists, right? So I was like, ugh. Um, so she said, you know what? I'll, I'll go home. So I said, okay. And we went to her birthday. We celebrate her birthday February. Her birthday was February 4th, but she, was, uh, she wasn't here. So I just took her out for her birthday uh, at a club, February 22nd of this year. And then we went to another club called Nebula. She had wanted to meet this guy who had been flirting with her. (laughs) (laughs) So I took her to Nebula. I went to Nebula with her and, you know, we had a great time. We had a blast. We partied it up and she was going home in uh, a few days. And so she went home and she said that she was gonna come back. And I was like, I was, you know, I was expecting for her to come back. And what happened was uh, last week, Thursday, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, two weeks ago, Thursday, I sent her a text and I was like, hey, how you doing? And she was like, oh, I'm fine. You know, um, strong pneumonia. Mm. Needed extra oxygen. Mm -hmm. 
And I said, okay, what's next? She said, I'm okay. Everything is fine. So I said, okay. So I didn't, you know, I just, that was Thursday, Friday. I didn't say anything. Saturday, I didn't say anything. Uh, Monday, I said, hey, how are you? So I didn't hear anything back. So I said, you know, I thought maybe she's just recovering. Mm -hmm. And so Tuesday, I woke up at 6.38 in the morning and I wrote, I sent a text, hey, and I didn't hear anything back. Mm -hmm. And then I went to see if she had posted something on her Instagram page just to make sure Cause she, you know, she was always posting on Instagram, you know, her recipes and stuff like that. And so when I got to her Instagram page under one of her pictures, somebody said, rest in peace, sweetheart. And it sent the chill down my spine. And I just, at first I didn't believe it. Right. But then as I started scrolling down, more people were saying, rest in peace, my sweet Delara. And then it's, it set in. And then I looked at her WhatsApp of the last text message I sent. It was last seen on Sunday, right? And I felt like, you know, was my text the last text she saw? And, you know, I just, it broke my heart, you know. I mean, I, I swear, I look at the videos, I look at her pictures, I look at our pictures, I look at all the memories of the last year and a half that we made together. And she was such a beautiful soul you know, and she was a godsend. I mean, you talk about me being alone, nobody, right? And then this beautiful soul comes into my life and it's just like, you know, able to experience so much joy, so many memories that we have. And, you know, I was just, I mean, still, right? It still hurts. Like I, I'm, I'm surprised that I'm able to get through this um, interview and not cry. I mean, I've been crying my eyes out, you know, every, every night, you know, when I go to sleep and when I wake up in the morning, everything that I see in my apartment now reminds me of her. I had to close her door to her room because I was just like, I can't walk past it without thinking about her. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, her memory lives on. You know, her memory lives on. And like I said, you know, it was the best of times for some people and it was the worst of times, you know, depending on how you look at it. You know, for me, like I did things that I would have never done, never, ever. And that's one of the things that she would always encourage me. She would say, you know what? You talk about this stuff but you don't do it, mm. you know? 
because I had wanted to go to Florida. I had wanted to go. I kept talking about Florida. I kept talking about Florida. And then one day I come in and she goes, oh, I'm buying flights now. And I said, okay, I'll see you later. <laughs> and so what happened was the, re- the, the way I got to Florida was because she booked her flight and I had to rent a car. And no, she, she booked her flight and I said, okay, great. I said, you know what, I'll rent a car and I'll drive you to the airport in Jersey. And I said, I'm gonna go to Montauk. Cause I was, I was thinking that if I tell her I was going to Montauk that I would be able to keep her here <laughs> and mm-hmm. that we would go to Montauk together. But she was like, I'm out buddy. <laughs> and so I had already had my bags packed to go to Montauk. And I dropped her off at the airport. And while I was in Jersey, I put in her address in Miami in Waze app. And it was like 17 hours. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, fuck it. And I just, I just, I, I just started driving to Miami. And I said, I, I'll meet you in Miami, baby. Mm-hmm. And she was like, great. And that's how we both ended up in Miami for a couple of weeks. And that was fun. And you know, yeah, mm. yeah. One of her favorite songs, and I, I'll just close with this. One of her favorite songs. For some reason, she she liked the song um, Delilah. Yeah. Yes, because it, it sounded like why why it sounded like Delara. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So she, that was one of her favorite records. And um, yeah. Wow. One hell of a ride. And that's it. Um, I'll see if I can talk. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm crying. So thank you for sharing that with me. Um, this can memorialize her memory. She'll live on in in the archives. Yes. Well, thank you. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, that's why I was like, you know what? This will be a great opportunity you know, to, uh, to tell this story, you know, because um, I needed to tell it, you know, so. Yeah. Whew. I'm glad I was able to do it. Thank you. Yeah, what is it they say? We have to feel our feelings to get to, like, the other side of, of grief. Yes. So yeah, talking about it helps, and you helped me. Like I lost a friend from my twenties mm-hmm. uh, three weeks ago. Yeah. I, I watched her funeral on Zoom. So as you were talking about um, Delora, I was thinking about my friend mm-hmm. Desiree. Uh, so thank you. Wow. <clears throat> thank, thank you. Thank you. Um. 
Oh, wow. Okay, we'll get it together. Um, so my, um, my goal is to get the recordings into museums. And eventually I'd like to have an event where everyone who I've spoken to can all meet and come together. Nice. I don't know if it'll be in a year or sooner, but um, I look forward to everyone gathering in person. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. This should be fun, you know? I mean, I'm, I like the idea, so I'm grateful that you actually, you know, you came up with the idea. Yeah, the pandemic, it just, it made me realize how much I need a community and I miss, yeah. I miss talking to people. I love to listen to people and I thought this is, otherwise, I, you know, I live alone. I'm just going to keep yeah. watching TV. I don't know. <laughs> so, oh, wow, Mike, I am... Um, <clears throat> I thank you so much for sharing this, this, this your story. Thank you. Thank you. And listen, I'm around. Yes, because the I'm summer's around. coming. Let's huh? definitely link up. Yeah. yeah, I'm around. So if you ever, you know, you're ever in the city and you ever want to, you know, kick it, let me know. Absolutely. Absolutely, Mike. All right. All right. All right. Thank okay, you for the okay. opportunity. Thank you so much. This was an honor. Thank you. Thank you. Ciao. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Black America and COVID, an oral history project. If you would like to share your experience living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic, then you can DM me on Instagram at Black America and COVID, or you can email me at soniakillabrew at gmail.com. My email is in the show notes of this podcast and also on the podcast website. Thank you.